Is this mic turned on? Wax poetic. Hi, kids. I'm a dinosaur hunter BMX rider. All the little girls dream of one day biting into a corn dog and smiling at the camera. If I ran the web, you could email dead people. Wax poetic. And I don't give a moment's focus to who does or doesn't like the sound of my voice. In the terrarium is herpes. Herpes is a hermit crab. Just say no to family values. This is Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. So what if I write a poem like a song? Good afternoon and welcome to Wax Poetic here on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. This is Wax Poetic and I'm R.C. Weslowski. And I'm Pamela Bentley. And our guest this afternoon is Jay Simpson. Hi, Jay. Hi. So great to have you here. So great to be here. Listen to us smiling on the radio all yeah, three exactly. of us. <laughs> so we get you to start the show off with a poem, if you don't mind. Yeah, for sure. So this is Reconciling My Own Brownness. How do I reconcile with my own brownness when I only stopped bleaching it two years ago? When I only started speaking in messy Cree this year? When I only started treating my ceremonies as sacred recently? Is my brownness in my mother tongue and in my ceremony? How do I reconcile with my own brownness when I skinned it, turned it into hand drums, headdresses, and dream catchers, Gifted it to white folks going to Coachella or Burning Man. How do I reconcile with my own brownness when you perceive me as white? When you take me as white, you make a dead man successful in killing the Indian in the child. How do I reconcile when he is dead and I am alive, but you take me as white? How do I reconcile with my own brownness when a dead man's legacy was the first to dip me in bleach? having dipped my brown great-grandmother so many years prior. How do I reconcile with my own brownness when a white woman snuck into my room one night, stole me away from my brown mother, and snatched my mother tongue from my baby teeth, cut my hair, put me in Sunday's best to a church that held my brown great-grandmother captive? How do I reconcile with my own brownness when I only stopped bleaching it two years ago? When I only started speaking in messy Cree this year, when I only started treating my ceremonies as sacred recently, is my brownness in my mother tongue and in my ceremony? How do I reconcile with my own brownness when it feels like to reconcile seems like getting over the bleach, getting over the burn, the hurt, when I know it will all be an ongoing conversation? When the question I should really be asking is, how am I reconciling with my own brownness? Hmm. Wow, okay, I'm just thinking, thinking, thinking. Well, my first so thought is, so how, how, where are you along in that process then? <laughs> That's what I was going to ask, and I thought, well, I don't know, that last question, can I still ask that? Yeah, um, <laughs> how I'm reconciling with my own brownness is giving my giving myself space to like make mistakes and uh like you know slip up when i am learning uh cree also like you know doing background checks 
and uh, kind of understanding that it's very, very, very hard to be brown when the like Canadian government has defined what brown is, mm. especially with like the Indian Act and getting your status and having enough uh, Indigenous heritage in you to claim that status. Um, having like, you know, my mother flee the home reserve from abuse, what that means. Um, yeah. So it like reclaiming my own brownness is such a, I think it'll be a lifelong thing. I think I won't have it all. And I don't think uh, I'll have it a hundred percent. And I'm trying to come to terms with that. Yeah. What in your uh, process or search have you discovered about yourself that you didn't think you would find? Hmm. Um, I didn't, I didn't think I would find out so much about my great grandmother. I didn't think I would find out so much about my, uh, grandmother. My great grandmother was, uh, forcibly removed, uh, and placed into residential school with all of, uh, her siblings. Uh, my grandmother was not in residential school because my great grandmother had, uh, taught Christianity and essentially tried to hide hmm. Uh, my grandmother and what that did is cause a lot of colonial intergenerational trauma with sure. my family so um, my mother was put into foster care uh, soon I was too right so it, it was very interesting learning that the start of this intergenerational trauma was so many years ago mm -hmm. so I was quite surprised and also like I always thought there was like I was one of the families that didn't get touched by residential school but I was quite surprised at my entire family was in residential school. So that was uh, quite a wake-up call. Mm -hmm. So even though your great-grandmother managed to have your grandmother not go to residential school, your grandmother, is that correct? Your grandmother was still affected by residential school because of the way your great-grandmother kept her from it. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I think that's this, it's a subtlety, but it's not really that subtle, that people forget right because they're like well you keep saying this is somebody who is is not um acknowledging the damage that that's done and they might say something like well that was years ago and your mother didn't go to it so why is it still but yeah i think you did a really great yeah it's just really great to see it's really um not great but it's really telling to see how you describe that, even though it's not a direct thing. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, it's good on you that you're actually exploring that. I mean, yes. lots of people um, of all different backgrounds don't explore the, the you know, the, their family history and the potential trauma that mm -hmm. is passed down in their family history. And if you don't look at that, you, it's hard to develop empathy for other mm -hmm. people. And then those questions that you're asking when people go, well, how can you mm -hmm. do that? It's be, uh, I would suggest that it's because they haven't looked at their own family yes. stuff and they're denying that it never happened to their family and all that sort of stuff. So you go, well, how come blah, 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 you're not over it yet and all that sort yeah. of stuff. Yeah, and I love that you say that part of your process is forgiving yourself when you make mistakes, but doing it anyway. Mm -hmm. You're going to learn how to speak Cree if you don't do it well right from mm -hmm. the very beginning. I'm going to mispronounce a lot of mm -hmm. things. <laughs> How's that going, learning it? Where, uh, where are you learning it? Um, I've been learning it via an app because there isn't a lot of uh, interface to do it. I know that there is a group in uh, Vancouver that is doing it, but also I have quite a lot of difficulty in trying to take up space uh, in Vancouver, which is Musqueam, Tsleil-Waututh, and Squamish mm. territories as a Cree person because I'm still an uninvited guest, but I'm a 
forced settler via diaspora. So that's quite an interesting um, balance because I am indigenous, but I'm not indigenous to these territories, so I still have to behave as a guest. Mm. So I'm scared of taking up so much space. So I've been trying to do it quite independently. Um, and it, it is quite difficult because not a lot of folks in my family that I know of speak um, that specific dialect. Mm. But you're learning it on an app. That yes. Has, that's some, I find that amazing. That yeah, you can there's, and that. there's Salish languages at language apps as well now. It's mm -hmm. yeah. I actually have one on my phone because I just sometimes I look up the words of where I am. Or and that's is it so important? <laughs> is it uh, like an audio? Like you can hear the words or just written? There's, or both, uh, it's or? written and it's got it phonetically and it's got it. Uh, you put the little microphone and it says that loud to you so it's oh, wow. i've been kind of been picking up words and i identify as a wakimo which is an easy crier in oh, wow. Greek. <laughs> so i'm like oh i'm such a wakimo like i'm always the first to cry so, i love that yeah. there is a word for that <laughs> yeah because we don't have a That's word awesome. for that in English. You had to use two words, and it's not words that we see together all the time, right? Yeah. Unless you are an easy crier, and then you use it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my people awesome. know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear another poem. Yeah, sure. I am going to do These Eyes. <clears throat> I couldn't look at myself in the mirror for three years after you. It was my eyes. It wasn't that I wanted blue, gray, or green eyes, but we had shared a similar brown. It was in your eyes, all I saw in them was a fiery hatred for me. One look and I would flinch. It was my eyes, and I was so scared my eyes would fade like one of your overworn shirts, <laughs> like how yours had. I was scared that I would become you and lose my eyes. I couldn't look at myself in the mirror for three years after you. It was a kukum. She had grabbed my hand in passing, her warm wrinkled hands embracing mine. She says, oh, my darling, what beautiful Indian eyes you've got, just like the ancestors. And releasing my hands to gently touch my face with her warm papery hands, I felt your grip on me shatter. It was my eyes that the tired and weary come to when they are in need of rest. It is my eyes that give life to the ability to rise up again and again. It was my eyes that swirl with the fires of my ancestors, for that's how they see me, fire made flesh. I could just sit here and listen mm -hmm. to you all afternoon. You've got a great voice for radio, too. Um, I told you. <laughs> that moment, those moments are so important when elders say one thing to us oh that just gosh. switches everything right where you feel seen or they understand something or you're gotten in some way and then it like you said it allows you to be that for other people as well i'm becoming more aware of that as i get older and i remember all those moments and when people have done that for me i'm so glad you write about those kind of moments there there are some of the things that i hold on to the most you know um that moment was so powerful that I, I was printing an essay for school and I had, like, I handed in the essay, but then I went home and just cried. Like, easy I had crier. that class in <laughs> Easy Cryer with chemo. Um, and I told the professor, I was like, I'm handing this into you now. I need to go home and cry. Um, and I just cried out, like, the three years of trauma that was mm. looking at myself in the mirror and how this elder undid it with just a statement so it was 
uh, a shocking revelation, and I'm really glad I was able to get it down Mm -hmm. uh, and share that with a lot of folks. I think you captured it really, really well. Because I, I was there feeling it with you. I just sort of closed my eyes and I could feel her hands, you know. And oh, I love her. She's still at the university and I'm very happy that she's there. So Which university? Thompson Rivers University. So they have a great um, Indigenous support program and she was one of the elders. So... Yeah, maybe talk a little bit about about that because you're going to Kwantlen now, right? So no, oh, you're I'm not, not going just on the Kwantlen Slam team. I'm just on the Kwantlen Slam team, slithering my way through so many things. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so what do you? But you are you are back in school though. I am this back in semester, school, yeah. right? Yeah. I am going to Nicola Valley Institute of Technology. Oh, okay. um, they are one of the schools that offer a tuition waiver program for youth and care, so I don't pay tuition, uh, which is a really great, equitable program. Um, and I'm taking criminology, and mm. I want to do some social work. And uh, NVIT is Indigenous-focused, so there's uh, an elder on campus every day. Um, we speak uh, from an indigenous uh focus and standpoint. So in my criminology class, we're talking about the overrepresentation of Indigenous folks in prisons, in the youth and care system, in the justice system, and how colonial racism has implemented uh, essentially neo-colonialism nowadays. So um, I'm really passionate about it. It's really fun. Um, it's been great. I know all of the professors one-on-one. The classes are anywhere from like five to 20 people. Mm. Um and it's been so amazing. Yeah, it's been one of my favorite years of post-secondary education, but it's like my sixth or seventh I lost track. Mm. So, Was that something you were studying when you first got into post-secondary, or was this something you discovered was really an interest for you recently? Um, so when I first applied for post-secondary, I applied for the social work program, and I got in. Uh, but at the time, I was 17, so I was still a youth in care, and my social worker said that they wouldn't pay for post-secondary if I was going to social work. They said it was too refined of a program, so they... Uh, reapplied for me. I didn't even know this for general arts Mm -hmm. and they denied my acceptance to social work and they put me in theater because they're like, oh, you're so passionate about theater. But theater was just a front. Mm. Um, But I ended up doing theater for nearly four years and I was just (laughs) like, you know what? This isn't, this isn't feeding my soul like social work would do. Uh, So I went into that, uh, that field. So um, I've always been passionate about uh, criminology, sociology, social work. So yeah. Now, has that theater background served you when you're doing performance poetry now? Oh, I I have about eight years of theater Mm -hmm. uh, background, um, so it has helped quite a bit. (laughs) Yeah, quite, quite a bit. That's why you're making such a fiery path through the... uh, because you, uh, I said saw recently that you said you had just started coming to slams and competing regularly in March. Yes, and I know that you kind of stalked the scene for a while before stalked. that because I know you. Maybe that's not the right word, but <laughs> you told right you admitted word. to me, or you, or you, we were talking about this, and I was saying something about you just came on and you, like, knew what you were doing, and then you kind of went. That wasn't an accident. Yeah. I was planning no, it, it. I was watching. I was paying attention to who was showing up, who was winning every week. Is this is my memory correct on this? Y- yeah. Your memory is very correct. <laughs> <laughs> have, I, have I spilled a secret that you didn't want to share on me? <laughs> um, by great design, I entered the scene when I did um, right before Versus, right before the semifinals. I'd been watching Van Slam live for at least two mm. years. Uh, yeah, yeah, two years. 
Um, I was aware of Jillian Christmas's presence years and years ago. I actually fought for some of her poetry to be in my creative writing curriculum mm. because they were bringing these uh, white cishet male poems Same constantly. Thing, yeah. And I was like, okay, I've had enough of this BS. Let's get some like intersectionality and diversity up in here. Um, so I had actually just moved to my new home and I looked at the week previous and I was like, oh, some of the bigger heavy hitters performed last week. So they can't do two <laughs> So in they a row? can't do two in a row. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. I love how this this shows so much about you. <laughs> this is, I think this is why I remembered you telling me this. <laughs> That's great. And I'm I love that it's worked for you. That the mention of Jillian Christmas as the person who's coordinating the slam right now and kind of like the artistic director of the slam right now, I think that is important. When you have people of color at the head of things, then they and then they bring well like all the um, features that she brings in, mm. right? Some things that we probably wouldn't even know about that she has connections to, like the super connector thing we were talking about before we went on air. And then that means that it, it works. I mean, you just demonstrated that. Then I saw that I knew she was doing it. I knew her poetry. And then that meant that I wanted to be there, too. And then you being there, Jay, that does the same thing, right? It perpetuates itself in a really positive way. Mm -hmm. I, I have a lot to uh, appreciate and give thanks and much love to Jillian Christmas for making so much space for uh, myself. And she's really inspired me to take up space as well. Yeah. As much as, like, Van Slam is a pretty white scene still, mm -hmm. but there is so many acts of resistance and fire coming out from the uh, different POC. Um, so I just am, I have to add to that fire. I really have to add to the act of resilience and resistance. So you much do praise. it well, and I'm really glad you're there. Thank you. Uh, it is uh, about 18 minutes after the hour, and you are listening to Wax Poetic here on Co-op Radio, CFRO, 100.5 FM. Uh, I'm R.C. Weslowski. I'm Pam Bentley. Uh, Our oh, guest today is... is Jay Simpson. So, uh, Jay, let's get another poem from you. <clears throat> this one is called Her Too. I've let her inside, oversteeping like a burnt jasmine white tea. No amount of honey could hide the taste. Yet still my tongue longs to hold it, my mouth to savor, to experience. But why consume poison, hoping for her to drop dead? Mm. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why I laugh at that, but that's good. Yeah, oh, Jay laughed too. <laughs> it's it's a very cheeky poll for me. <laughs> like it's it's just like one of my like sticking it to the yeah, person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a really short poem. I think six lines, and the first line is, "I had often wanted her dead." Mood, like, <laughs> and then people are like, "Whoa!" <laughs> but I, it was really important for me to write that poem. Yeah, uh, let's go. No, it's not a short one. Let's hear another one. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> this is called "Like New." When they took me, it was five days before my third birthday. As a gift, they gave me the number 00088614. They did not call me by my name, only by this number. Desecrating bone and blood, flesh and flesh, referring to an indigenous child as 00088614 in 1997 is just as messed up as giving an indigenous baby a number 30... 
40, 50 years ago, 60, 70, 80, 90 years, 100, 110, 120, 133 years ago. This is still happening, and it's 2017. The last federally operated residential school was closed in 1996. October 1st, 1997, and I am given a number instead of a name. Hmm. That's still going on, the numbering system. Yeah, yeah. So every youth in care that enters care, they get a case number. Mm -hmm. So um, it was quite interesting. I applied for my file when I turned 19. And uh, on my birth on my birthday last year, it actually arrived on my doorstep, and I was like, "Oh, this is some sick trick." Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh no, MCFD." <laughs> and it was four thousand pages, and that number was uh, littered all over 4, it. Four thousand pages. Yeah. Is that yeah. because you went through so many different foster homes? Um, it, it was because I spent 16 years in care. So from the time I was yeah. three to the time I was 19, I was uh, a continuing custody order. I had only been in five homes, which is a small number, oh, okay. a very, very small number. But still, that's like four yeah, homes too many. Yeah, a mm-hmm. lot. Um, so when I found out that I actually had a number and that's how I was being referred to, it kind of was just like, but I'm human. Like, mm-hmm. why do I have a number? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's talk about uh, your writing process. Let's uh, change something up a little bit. And uh, yeah, so how, how do you? What? How are you inspired? What inspires you? Is it? Is it uh, like? Do you work on prompts and that sort of stuff, or does does stuff come to your mind? I got to write all that stuff down, or what's your process? I am very grateful to the power of technology because oftentimes when I'm transit, I'm on transit, I think of a line mm. and then I open up my phone and I just go. And next thing you know, I've gotten like five, 600 words and I'm like, oh wow, this is, this is a lot. What do I do with this? Oftentimes it ends up to be like four poems in one and mm. then I actually splinter them because once I start going, it's like, well, like I've gotten off on like four different tangents and each tangent can be its own poem. Mm-hmm. Um, or sometimes I will look at, I'll have a poem in my head and it'll take like years to get down. So it, mm-hmm. it's really hard, but I find some of my favorite places to write poetry is on the 99B line. Wow. <laughs> and I swear I could have an entire chat book called on the 99. Yeah, you should, yeah. Well, you've got, Pam's got a bunch of bus but, poem. Or but I'm <laughs> thinking like there could be a collection of poetry just called in transit mm-hmm. where like so many of us have like we're on the bus or we're on the sky train and a poem comes to us and we write it and we're like this was written while I was sitting on the bus and everyone's on their way to work and I think I just created one of the pieces I'm most proud of hmm. right so it's just so so interesting the writing process um can also be messy um I sometimes will sneak away to my parents house uh in the interior where I'll spend like a week or two and my mom will, my last foster mom, my mother, she will be like, oh my gosh, you've come to visit. Oh my gosh, you're above 19. Let's have a glass of wine. (laughs) And next thing you know, we've both drinking a box of wine. (laughs) And then I'm like writing poetry and it's just so, oh, it's a, it's a process. Uh, That's funny. Can I ask how old you are? 
I was like, I was about to say 16, but I'm not 16. I'm 22. 60, 60, you were about no, to say 60. I was six about to say 16. Okay. I don't even know why. No, I'm 22 and I'm turning 23 in like a month. So. Oh, cool. Uh, the reason I asked is just because you said you write a lot of stuff on your phone and. Uh, and I'm, is that how you've always like? Because ah, uh, as someone who's older, uh, I'm primarily like on paper first, yeah. and then to computer. Um, but as have you pri- primarily your phone or something electronic been your first place that you go to write? No, I got my first phone like four or five years ago, um, and that was like actually when I got social media. I'm still mm. pretty new to social media, yet I still command a social lot of- media maven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, sitting right here. Sitting right here. Definitely. Um, I actually always carry a notebook around <laughs> okay. um, because sometimes it's just, it'll be easier for me to just write it down. Um, I was trained to write cursively um, in cursive, so many times I'm writing in cursive and folks are like, oh, you belong in the romantic. Like, uh, now That's era. unusual now, right? There are st- now some people who exist who cannot read cursive. There, a lot of my friends can't read cursive. Yeah. So then sometimes I'm like, well, if I want to journal about them, ah, <laughs> I can journal perfect. about them, right? Perfect. But I can. Oh, I'm going to use that tip. <laughs> it works. It really yeah. does work because they're like, it just looks like circles. And I'm like, yeah. the new code is cursive. That's yeah. pretty cool. So going back and now you can. So yeah. cursive being just handwritten. Cursive is not being taught in, so, in a lot of schools no, now. It so was, people can't read it. Because you remember, like, I, I don't know if you remember, but I remember when I learned to write, it was in grade three. I wasn't there, so I don't know. No, but when did you learn to write is what I I meant. Right, because we learned to print first, and then there's a point where you learn cursive. And it was just the point where I moved from Louisiana to to, uh, Calgary. And so I had, I can't remember if I had not learned it or I had learned it, or, but I was at a different point in the process. So it stuck with me when I remember, mm. when I learned it. But when you first started talking about this process, you said, I'm really grateful for technology because I get an idea and then I start writing it on my phone. And my thought was, well, you could also just open up a notebook. Mm-hmm. But your but your go to now, even though you've only had your phone for four years, is to do the. Yeah, well, kind of was I was curious about tech. You said yeah. you write, your yeah. relationship to technology and writing and yeah. that sort of stuff. Well, I also have written output disorder, so it makes uh, the thoughts in my head. Oh, okay. Um, that it translation translating into my hand quite slow. Mm. The thoughts in my head are at least a paragraph or two ahead of the thoughts on uh, writing down on my hand. So sometimes when I write things down. It'll be um, quite like quite jumbled where mm-hmm. sentences from the thought. It's right. just yeah, so and it's easier on the phone than writing it handwriting because it. Because oh, on my okay. phone, I can type a sentence in so the. So that's time why it's your go-to on yeah. transit. That makes sense. Yeah, I find sometimes I can't keep up if I'm writing it, but if on computer, it's like the little 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 little. little, little yeah, little. exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I can type faster. That was my sound effect for. <laughs> I, <think that> <laughs> I love it. Um, I wanted to ask you before we run out of time, because we're almost out of time. You submitted a manuscript to the Vivek Shreya um, thing that was going on. I kept seeing it on social media. Tell us about that. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so I submitted to the VS Books uh, partnership with Arsenal Pulp. Um, I had finished a manuscript of poetry uh, a month and a half ago, and I submitted it, and I got the letter back saying, like, we have your um, submission. Uh, I hope to make a decision in November. Mm -hmm. And it was, I slept like a baby the night after. Mm -hmm. 
because this I've been working on this manuscript for like two years now. And was the letter directly from Vivek? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I was <laughs> squealing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they've got this, um, they've got a process where uh, Vivek is, it's Vivek, right? Is that how you pronounce I it? I believe so. I think that's how you pronounce it. Four. I've pronounced it three different ways and three times I've said it. Um, is a, like a guest editor and is taking these manuscripts and then they're going to choose a certain number and then I Arsenal Press so. is going to... And it's for okay. QT BIPOC uh, right. unpublished uh, authors... Uh, from the ages, I believe it's 18 to 24. So I hope you get it. I think it would be great if you got it. And the garden thing, you said something about the garden poetry. You have a lot of, you didn't, it didn't show up in the pieces you read today, but you have a lot of garden imagery in your poetry. I do, yes. And I love that you use this kind of like the romantic period. You're using flowers and garden metaphors, but then you're writing this really fierce resistance poetry with those metaphors. I think that's just a... A really interesting combo. Where are you performing soon? Because you are doing a couple performances, right? <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm doing quite a few performances. I'm really excited because I am doing um, a performance in the park this weekend, Poetry in the Park, uh, with Slama Palooza, a fundraiser to go to CFSW in Peterborough. I am doing a uh, performance uh with SFU's Indigenous uh, Students Association called Burn the Borders. Uh, I am doing Mashed Poetics 38, uh, Amy Winehouse's Back to Black, and I am so, oh, I could start crying right now because I'm so excited, and I got one of my song picks, and I've just been, like, ruminating, so that's one of them. What's the song? Tears Dry on Their Own. Easy Crier. Easy Crier, right? <laughs> did you know that? How did you get that one? How did I get that one? Yeah. I, I I asked very politely. Oh, there you go. And um, what else? I'm CFSW. CFSW. Oh, my gosh, yes. CFSW um, in October with my team. I'm really excited. I've got Savannah Pulfer, Santiago Urena. Um, and Justin Biga, so I'm just so excited to be going with this team to CFSW. No kidding. No kidding. The Poetry in the Park this Saturday is what park and at what time? Oh, um, it is at Trout Lake Park, and it's at 3 p.m., and it's on Sunday. Um, rain or shine, and it's probably going to be raining, which makes it just so much more dreamier. 3 p.m. Dreamier. Sunday, and it's the where the people beach is right not where the dog beach is it's not at the dog beach that will be on the other far side. too distracting yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> it's at the other side so yeah then people can come see you this weekend mm-hmm. uh, the Vancouver Fringe Festival is uh, going on right now through this coming weekend and I know there was another I found another spoken word show that oh, afterward uh, but we've got Kevin Gilday who was on our show last week is performing um, Magnificent Big Mouth Lying mouth, lying mouth, magnificent lying mouth. Is I think it's show. magnificent. But well, it's there. Yeah, beautiful, it's lying mouth, beautiful lying, yeah. magnificent, huge mouth. Kevin Gilday. I can't um, help you because I can't remember yeah. what the adjective is either. And, so. But Catherine Kidd who also has a show called Hyena Sapina, and I Hyena saw Sabina. I saw a segment of this show uh, about fifteen minutes of it. A uh, year and a half ago, while they were still working on it, and it was fantastic. Oh. Uh, hyena as metaphor uh, for 
female and all this other sort of stuff too and it's brilliant it's really good and it's uh, happening at the fringe and i saw multiple organism last night yeah uh it's not a spoken word show whatsoever it's a shadow puppet show yeah. uh, messing with uh, messing with sexuality and gender and all sorts of and toothbrushes having sex um <laughs> so you can go check oh that out oh my god out. that's right of your <laughs> phone book yeah and that's uh, at the uh, fire hall <laughs> art center so check out the fringe festival and word vancouver coming up on the 24th uh, at the Vancouver Public Library and uh, Vancouver Poetry House will have a table there and you come talk to us uh, about uh, what's going on with VPH plus um, Emma Field and Spilius, the ridiculous one, will both be performing I think from 1 to one thirty at one of the tents uh, there too, so check them out. Are you hosting something? I'll that? be hosting that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, and and, and there's, oh, they're, they're good. They're here now. Apologies um, necessary. He's just showed up outside the studio window. And also, uh, there's a bunch of satellite shows for Word Vancouver, meaning that it won't be at the public library, but they're at different uh, venues like... Uh, uh, Britannia Library, um, and as well as Banyan Books and stuff. But there's one on the 19th, this coming Tuesday. It's called Poetic Pairings, part of Pandora's Collective, matching two different kinds of poets, performance, and uh, so-called page and stage. And they've come up with new work and new stuff and uh, mixing it up. And Are you one of the people in the I pairings? I will be one of the pairings, yes, with Ellie Crowley Gardner. Oh, nice pairing. Oh, I know. Oh, it? you lucked out, and so did she. Mm-hmm. There you go. All right. um, so I was making reference, just so you know, and so our listeners know, and about the toothbrushes having sex, that RC had a friend show called The Cruelest Phone Book in the World. And there was, you know, so it's, there was, so it makes sense that. very RC. Yeah, it makes sense that he mentioned <laughs> that it, the, the mind of the snail had the uh, tooth, toothbrushes. Mm-hmm. I wish we had an hour show today to have more things from you. But uh, if people want to get a hold of you and you want them to get a hold of you, how or do your they poetry? do that? Um, I have a Facebook call, page called uh, Birdsong Poetry by Jay Simpson. So um, people can get a hold of me via my Facebook page. Um, and also, like, you know, I'm at Van Slam uh, every Monday because I'm now the new volunteer. Oh, okay. Uh, coordinator. J- coordinator. And it's J-A-Y-E. Oh, Simpson. yeah. J-A-Y-E. The E is there because I'm extra. Oh, there you go. You are. <laughs> the extra E's for extra me. Thank you. All right. I'm R.C. Weslowski. I'm Pamela Bentley. Our guest today has been Jay Simpson, J-A-Y-E. And uh, <laughs> thanks for tuning in. No Apologies Necessary is coming up next. You've been listening to Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. So what? So what? So what? So what? 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 what?